podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, evening welcome everyone. To- well, welcome to Talking Pop. We did, I'll do it, shall we? You do it. <laughs> well, that's a good start. New, sh- new name, still us to messing it up as always. Welcome to Talking Cop. It's me, Chris. It's him, Kev. And Dent's back. Kev, we, we finally got the name right, didn't we? Because both you and me nearly said the wrong name before the show. <laughs> We're like, going, no, that's wrong. That's <laughs> so, wrong, yeah. So it's definitely the old name. I'm so used to the same name for years. So, good though, isn't it's- it? Definitely got to take a while to get used to it, but we'll get you, we'll get there, we'll get there. Um, Especially you in name. Oh, as someone has said, everyone is basically saying in the chat there, real football is about to come back and can't wait. I'm, I'm really looking, I mean, of all games to be coming back to, we know we're always going to get the 12.30 kickoffs, uh, especially after international breaks. It's literally a statistical fact now that we're going to get double the amount of everyone else. But you're coming back as a Merseyside derby. Coming up to three games at home, our next three games at home, and they're fixtures that you can really sink your teeth into. And there's a lot happened with the club in the last few days, especially today when we've seen some of the videos coming out of the club. So mm-hmm. there's a lot to get into, and we're going to get into it with the Merseyside derby, obviously. want to talk to Dan about um, Chelsea versus Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal's start to the season, where he thinks the club are after beating Manchester City. It's a huge, a huge for Arsenal to get that one under their belt to get those three points against the champions and see how Dennis feeling as an Arsenal fan, where they are in Europe how they're coping with the uh, fixtures and the volume because they were able to, as we all know look, they were able to rest and rotate an awful lot more last year with the Europa League and uh, this season with the Champions League, it's a bit of a different grind so we'll talk to Den about where the players are and we also want to touch a little bit on um Sandra Tonali and just have a chat in general about betting in football and where we think it is and what can be done going forward. Uh, what should happen with Tonali, uh, if anything? And we'll just have a quick chat about that. Plus, there's going to be something, a bit of a surprise at the end for everyone as well to get their teeth into. Cool. Shall we start with London? Should we go to London Derby first? Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably yeah. not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, we could have been mean and made you suffer and yeah. wait a bit longer, but let's, let's yeah, let's get let's get it over and done with. Let's get it over and done with quick. I mean, you've got like a nice easy game because you're playing eleventh in the league. You know they've got potentially up to fourteen players out, so yeah. you know, um, all in all, three three and a last one. When you we'll move on, that's pretty much how it goes. Uh, I wish I was as confident <laughs> as that. Um, yeah, I'd like I'd like to think after the city win. Then that yeah, I, I would be a bit more more up for it. Obviously, we've beaten Chelsea in the last four in the league. I think uh, two wins at Stamford Bridge, the last two seasons. So you look at that and you think, yeah, the way Chelsea have been overall at the beginning of the season, that it's an easy three pointer. However, they've just started scoring goals. Um, they're they're looking like they've finally found some sort of rhythm, and I think this could be a tough game. I think this will. I think the City win came at a wrong time, right before the international break. I would have loved for that break to not come just after it, to be honest, because that win would have hugely lift the players. Um, Saka, I'm hoping he's fully fit and rested and recovered. He's had a nice breakthrough, but we managed to beat City without him, which was huge, uh, but that wasn't easy. 
And I think Chelsea, it's it's going to be tough. I think they know, I think there's a lot at stake for Poch and a win like this will turn things around for him. Um, They got a big win the other week. They scored four goals. It was the first time I've seen them score like that in a long, long time. Um, Defensively, we're good though. Gabriel and Saliba have both been phenomenal this season and someone like Nico Jackson, I'd like to think they could they could keep quiet, but I, I'm not sure. I'm I can't see us getting another win at Stamford Bridge so easily. I, I think to lose five on a trot against us, I don't know. I feel like this is a game which Poch knows winning could really put the fans in in it behind him. Um, if they if not that they're not already, but it's a turning point for him at the moment. And like you say, eleventh in the lead, they need to start building back up. They need to do something. Um, you know, Raheem Sterling, he's hot and cold. He started really well. And then there's been a one or two performances I've looked at and thought he's back to his old ways like he was last season where 45 mil don't look good money. I would say 2-2 if I was going to call it. If I was going to call anything, I think uh, score draw has got it written all over it, to be honest. But Saturday night under the lights at Stamford Bridge, Kai Havertz, huge game for him. You know, you, you can... You can lead a horse to to water, but you can't force him to drink it, type of thing. Because he's been given opportunities now. He needs to he needs to do something. And scoring against your former team at the bridge will, I think, any anyone will be silenced by that. If he can go and have some sort of contribution to us winning there, then good on him. But yeah, two two. He's reckoning with me, agenda. Kev, we haven't got to score, yeah. I mean, the Kai Havertz thing, Kev. Honestly, mate, you could see him scoring the winner, or you could see him setting up the uh, the winner for Chelsea. It's kind of been that sort of start for him at Arsenal. It's not quite gone for him, but Chelsea will be a funny one for the next couple of weeks because if we look at you know people that are in around the top four, you know whether you think the title comes <clears> or not, most people will play Chelsea in the next couple of weeks. I think City have got Chelsea, I think Spurs have got Chelsea soon. The, the Chelsea can have a bit of a say, but also get their act together. I mean, form wise, in the last six games, they've won three, drawn one, lost two, so. They have started to turn it around a little bit, but you've got to think at some point of all the players they've got, they've got to eventually hit some sort of form. Well, the one thing with Chelsea is they're hard, to, they don't concede many. They've conceded seven yeah. in the league. Um, play they conceded seven, they don't score many either, which is their biggest problem. And you look at they've got players coming back from injury. They had some uh, positive news on in Kunku to come back as well. He's not ready yet but signs are he's not as far away as what people think Kai Havertz one is fascinating to me because I I was gobsmacked that Arsenal actually paid money for him um I sat and watched uh seen the results for uh Germany midweek and I think they drew against Mexico 2-2 and I just had a quick look to see who played who started who didn't Havertz was on the bench didn't get off the bench and he was the golden boy a couple of years ago in German football. And he's he's gone from being that to slipping behind the pecking order at Chelsea. And he's gone further back because I still don't know what he is. Uh he flummoxes me as a player. I don't he's not a midfielder, he's not an eight, he's not a nine. Arsenal don't play with a ten. He's a signing to, for me that's a complete luxury that wasn't needed that and that money could have been invested elsewhere in something that really could have helped Arsenal along the thing is the way the fixtures have set this weekend depending on results elsewhere you have Man City playing Brighton if that goes positive 
uh, Brighton turn Man City over, Arsenal could open a five-point gap by beating Chelsea. A five-point gap to Man City, even this early in the season, is a big one. And it also puts it would put them three points clear of Spurs, who are top, uh, joint top of the table. And it heaps pressure on Spurs to have to match what Arsenal are doing. And we're 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 sat here now, going into game week nine, talking about these kind of little things now, where the pressure is going to start to mount. And this period of football for me is where I think you'll start to see the table start to separate. You'll start seeing little groups forming within. Within the, within the league, and you'll see who who where everyone naturally naturally is, and this is where um, if you go if you want to put a run together, this is you know it's it's from here on, it's from here up to Christmas. You want to start racking points up, you know it's not about performances at this time of the year now. You just want to get three points on the board, move on to the next game, get it won, get players rested and rotated, get the next three points, and so on and so on and so on, and keep as many players as fit as possible for as long as possible, because we know that it's Premier League, League Cup, Europe, Premier League, League Cup, Europe, blah, 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 all the way to Christmas. And then a bombshell happens with Christmas fixtures and New Year's Day and boxing, you know, boxing day and New Year's Day. And then players go to AFCON and you're sat there counting. The, like the where the, you're, you're looking at the, your body count at that stage. Do you know what I mean? And you got the Asia Cup as well. So exactly. Gonna so, hit, it's going to hit Spurs badly. With yeah. they'll lose some for a little while as well. So I look at Chelsea though, and I don't, I don't think Chelsea are in as bad a spot as what people make out. Um, I think the fact that they're being difficult to score against, it will be a plus to them when they start scoring goals. There's, they've got too much attacking talent on that pitch not to figure out a way to score goals, and Pochettino is too good a coach not to be able to work it out. This is huge for him now because they don't have Europe, which would have been given him the opportunity to try different things, to test more players. Everything he's doing, he has to do in the league. So I think Arsenal will win it, but I think it'll be close. I think it'll be, Arsenal will win it by the odd goal, uh, probably 2-1. Um, they're going to have to break it. Yeah, that's that. They're still, they're still on to go. It's just... It's yeah, I, I just think this is going to be a tight one. This is going to be a tight yeah. game. Um, but Arsenal at the minute, that, that win against Man City was huge. And I think Den pointed out the international break came at a horrible mm. time because that's when mm. you really wanted to capitalise on that fixture and, you know, put the foot down and really make a marker on it. Instead, everyone just went off to the all corners of the world. And now they're coming back saying, OK, let's just pick up where we left off. It's not that easy. You're literally starting from scratch again. You've seen who's fit and who isn't. We've seen the story today with Ramsdale. Um, he's clearly not happy about being displaced as the Arsenal number one. He's worried about his England place, rightly so. But then again, you're talking about an English manager who picks Harry Maguire on a regular, despite whether he plays or not for his club. Well, so, Phillips play, well Calvin Phillips plays. Or Calvin Phillips, Phillips who yeah. doesn't play at all. I've he's played, played well, yeah, I think he's the, problem well, with, the problem is with Ramsdale. He wasn't picked last season when he was playing. Uh, and yeah. there was moments where he was really having, you know, he was in certain conversations. And some of the saves he was making throughout that season were just phenomenal. Mm. And now yeah. he's not even getting a look in. He's probably thinking, right, last season I didn't cut it. What am I, what's my chances now, you know? And, and Pickford, you know, say what you want about Everton. 
and I'm there right behind you. You know, I'm I'm, I'm singing from the same hymn sheet. But Pickford for England will always be number one until the guy retires or goes on to to really lose his bit, which he doesn't seem to do for England. I I can't remember many occasions where he's you know made a mistake here or there, but he seems to turn it on internationally at the, at least. And even for Everton, no yeah. doubt he'll probably have one of his best performances against Liverpool because he likes big games. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, I feel for Ramsdale. I would not be surprised to see him gone in January. Would not surprise me. If the right if the right money comes in, which I think a team needing a goalkeeper of that level would be stupid not to pay it, uh, I would not be surprised to see us say yes. Because as you, Kepper and Mendy at Chelsea, big example, never works out having two class goalkeepers. It's just... As much as people say it's good to have depth, in that position, not as much. Because if you've got a keeper worth forty million on the bench sitting there every week, he's not going to settle for Carabao Cup games. It's not going to happen. But yeah, no, that's true. I mean, we we're in the position now, luckily, where we have a clearly a clear number one, mm. and you a know, a good number two. two, a very able number two, and a number three who, if all else fails isn't the worst in the world as a number three. But at the same time, you wouldn't want to be relying on him. But mm. I, I agree with you, Dan. I think that if an offer comes in for from maybe, I'm just looking at the table now. Manchester. Maybe a, a West Ham, for Could example. Be, a West Ham. A team, a team at Manchester might need a keeper soon. Yeah. Yeah, you're not, you're, you know what? <laughs> it's not It's not the it's worst not, shot in the not, world. It's, it's not, not wild because he's not set the world like yet. He might do. You know, won't be the first time I've said something about playing. He's well, proved me wrong. Chris, give, what do you think with it? Um, what would I be your score shout with this one? Because uh, one-one habits to get both. <laughs> That's what I think. That's my money on. <laughs> what about Jorginho? <laughs> Jorginho's I can't see I can't see Jorginho starting because yeah. party is available, and I think that's absolutely madness to to put Jorginho ahead of party. Or even Rice and Havertz and Odegaard at this point, it doesn't. It would be. It would make no sense to me whatsoever now to pick this game to bring him in. Um, you need mobility in that. You need mobility in that midfield. That but he does seem to like. Get, he. Do, I'll give it to Jorginho when he has started in games like this. He's performed. So right. I would not well, back against him, but I would be pretty baffled to see him in the team sheet. We have players available there. I wouldn't like. To, I wouldn't. I would personally go with. We saw it for a little bit against City. Uh, we saw like a little eye opener to to how Hat Party and Rice can be. Uh, I would not mind seeing those two and Odegaard in the in their ten role. Going back to basics, so where we had Jacker and Party and Odegaard, just switch Jacker for Rice. I mean, it worked last season. We've improved in Jacker and Rice now, and they may be different players and of different caliber, but I don't see why that can't work out. Um, and then, yeah, well, if, I, if Saka is fit, it would be brilliant because Ben White has not played in international, so he'll be fit and raring to go. So it would be nice to have a yeah. completely fresh right side. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, Oshin McGin- uh Oh, happy birthday. Hi, hi, everyone. Just dropping it to say hello. It's my birthday today. Been very busy. Hopefully the Reds beat the Mersey Blues on Saturday with the dreaded 12.30 kickoff. Happy birthday, Oshin, mate. Always in the chat, regular. As clockwork, uh, hope you're having a good time mate, on your birthday. Tariq asked a question there Would you actually sell to Manchester United at the minute? 
I don't think no. Arsenal have a problem selling to Manchester United. No. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's getting, thinking we were talking about Kelleher. We were talking yeah, about it's, it's, no, it's, it's not going to be a Van Persie moment, is it? It's, he's no. not going to come and score against us. So, look, if it was no, anybody else, been. if we were talking Gabriel, Saliba, Saka, any of them, I would say no. But a goalkeeper, look, we play them twice a year. I can't, I, I personally don't think he's, I'm not saying he's a bad goalkeeper, but I don't see him setting any ceilings or like, you know, I, I can't see him reaching such levels. And David, we've got a great keeper in Raya. So it's not like I'm going to sit there and bite my tongue and think, what have we done yeah. here? Uh, I agree with one of the comments that it was an unnecessary decision from Marteta to bring Raya in. But, you know, it's not a bad problem to have either. So, but no, I, yeah. I, I would be quite comfortable with Ramsdale wherever he goes, as long as he's happy, to be honest. There's no, it's no good seeing someone like that just sitting on the bench. No, it's and the thing is, if the player make it, no Tarek, no knockhead, her we're talking no, about no, no. Uh, Ramsdale, no. Ramsdale, mate. Um, Daz TV, uh, even Darren, uh, disappointing regarding Robbo, but it's what it is. It should manage it okay with the games we have coming up. Uh, can't focus, wait, mate. can't wait, can't wait to get the football back. Um, let's move on to Merseyside derby, mate. Um, yeah, go on. So, but. We do all right in these, don't we? Normally, Kev. Do you know what? Our our records in the twelve thirty kickoffs isn't as bad as what people would think it is. But at the same yeah. time, we think, don't he, play well in them. Well, you said to me since two thousand seventeen, we've had six, seven, eight, six, seven, eight, ten games at twelve thirty after the international breaks under Klopp. That's it since 2017. This is yeah, in the one league, six, there's one six drawn to, lost to, and you know, the two we lost were, I think, were hammerings by City, which to be honest, can happen <coughs> anytime, not just to 12 30. So, I think we're, we're mainly scarred because of what happened last season. Because last season, we were just, two hours, last season we were just pretty piss poor, no matter what the kickoff time was. Uh, 12 30 was irrelevant because it. Three o'clock wasn't much better either. So no, we I'd, if you give me a second, last season's twelve thirty kickoffs, we drew with Fulham two two, drew with Everton nil nil, lost to Forest, drew with Chelsea, lost to Bournemouth, and lost to City four one. Hmm. And those were six games with twelve thirty kickoffs. And Not the all fact that no, but the fact that we've had now by the time we play Manchester City in a month's time. It'll be 14 games, 14 12 30 kickoffs since Klopp took over, with the next closest comparable side is six Spurs. with Spurs. Mm. It's just not right every which way you look at it. If the argument that was that can be made is about TV revenue and Liverpool are a big draw and they want to be seen in the you know, BT want to show. Then the Premier League want them to be shown because of the Asian market with twelve thirty kickoff. I personally think twelve thirty kickoffs after the international break should be scrapped full stop, and put that twelve thirty kickoff game at eight at eight pm on a Saturday night, and at least you're starting back your first week after an international break with three pm starts. The, the downside to that is if you're living in the UK, it's a media blackout on the mm. three o'clock kickoffs, which again is just a relic from the past. It's a it's a nonsense these days. You know, that was fine when grounds were selling in 
you know, you, you were getting 15, 20,000 turning up to the old first division games. You know, now you look at Premier League sites up and down the country, every game's a sellout without mm-hmm. fail. And there, there's no logical argument now not to get rid of this TV ban on three, three o'clock kickoffs. But look, digress. That's that's a conversation for another day for sure. But I, I, I think the records will be a red in this game, probably for us, because um, your mates on VAR, oh, Mr. Coots. Oh, this brings back this is like it's like flashbacks a few scenes ago, which is oh, he's actually fair. Let's be honest, they're all dreadful. So they can't really too much about because they're all pretty yeah, there's levels pretty to it. Shite. The Robert, but fully put, the Robert injury is a, a massive blow. I mean, there's talk of surgery, there's talk of out to New Year. Yeah, we, they're still very quiet on what the damage, on how bad the damage is in his shoulder. You know, was it full dislocation, partial, partial dislocation? But also, he loves the derby. He, he gets the derby, and actually, he helps his game in it, and it tends to be his best his best performances. So yeah, he does play. He does play well in them. And the, but it's not so much that it's it's the it's the type of injury you see it so many times with footballers, especially defenders. Once they develop a, sh- a problem with a dislocated shoulder, that can have you. That can happen again and again and again, <laughs> and it can be one of those injuries you see with um, your man that was at Southampton, Bella Kotchkap. You know, yeah, absolutely outstanding talent. But the second you go and transfermarket.com and you check his injuries and you're seeing dislocated shoulder, dislocated shoulder, dislocated shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, you see three times he's been out with a dislocated shoulder. That can happen in training. Do you know what I mean? That can happen you're walking up the stairs and you bump your shoulder off the stairs. You know what I mean? It, it, the most innocuous thing can throw your shoulder out. It's a horrible injury for a defender. And it's a, it's a big worry for us going forward because it could... Ha, where we've given Costas a new, an extension on his contract, it could have ramifications for few, for the next transfer window and the one after, if it's a position that we thought was locked down that now might not be. You know, and that's that's a worry as well. But we're going into this derby pretty strong, despite the draw against Bright, Brighton and the Spurs fiasco. The, um, We've actually played well. We've had a really good start to the season. We're in decent form. We're scoring goals. And with a brand new midfield, this is going to be our midfield. Whoever starts, more or less. It's a brand new midfield. Yeah, but this is a side. They're going into their first Merseyside derby. That midfield, is they've never played a derby before for us. So they're going to get a baptism of fire. And it doesn't matter who you've played for before, what fixtures you've played in before. This is different. You know, the noise levels inside Anfield, even for a twelve thirty kickoff, is going to be intense. You know, okay. the pressure is going to the pressure is going to be intense on it, and you know it 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 can be one of it, this game can go one of two ways. It can be a nice, comfortable two or three nil win, and we just relax and rest, start resting players on the hour and what have you, or it could be a turgid, dogged, nasty, horrible, ugly game that first goal is all important you know and you just don't know how it's going to go i think someone put a comment in there the weather is going to be awful the, the, it's going to, it's it's going to be lashing rain it's going to be horrible to play in tackles will be flying in i wouldn't be a bit surprised if there is a red card i fancy us going into it but i hate this fixture 
I don't look for this fixture when the fixture list comes out, you know, not for anything else. I just hate this fixture because for us, with our record in it, you can only you can only lose this. You know, you're expected to win it. It's, you're expected to get three points. Anything less is a disaster. And it's it's a free hit for Everton. You know, anything they get out of this is a bonus. And they're coming into this on decent form. You know, they, they've had they had a ropey start to the season and it was doom and gloom. They're all they're going down and what have you. The last few they've had a five one against Brighton, they've had a win against Villa, and a three 0 against Bournemouth was a, a good win. And getting Jack Harrison back into the side, you know, or getting Jack Harrison into the side gives them gives them good options. You know? Okay, I'll bring this up because a few people have asked about this. Uh, Goldie Mang, incoming Chris's anti-Greek banter. You can't is what it is. There's no one else. Well, there yeah. is. Yeah, well, there, there is, but we all know it's in the castle start. Uh, when we're going to have a Costa chat, Chris is looking way too chill for my liking. And Oshin, Costas uh, will be my heart sinks anytime they attack him. I ain't a fan like Chris Brack. So, look, it's a game of opinions. Look, Costas, he's, like I said, he's a backup left back. He's all right. I think he's a bit vastly overrated by some of our fan base. But look, that's just how I feel about him. I can't see him not. I'd be amazed if he's not starting left back. Because the only option to do that is Joe Gomez. But it's Joe Gomez cutting in. Onto his, always cutting up onto his right foot. Diaz likes to cut in. It's too many players think that want to cut in on one side. You do need a width option. So, also, if you give him a new contract and you don't then start when Popo's injured, if you're Sivakas, you're going, well, I've signed a new contract. So, whether you like it or don't like it, I can't see it. I can't see him not starting. Would you be amazed? Would you be amazed if he didn't start? I'd be shocked. And um, look, mm-hmm. no, I. Ireland played Greece during the international break, and I watched him. I look, I watched the game, but I took particular interest in watching Costas because I wanted to see what he was like. Uh, you just we just don't see him that much anymore, you know. And the thing is, he got an assist for um, for Greece. It was a really good cross. Tats. He's got great stats. There we he go. The, the, he has got great stats. I'll give him that. You can well, have that one. He got he got an assist. But the truth is, Ogbeni had him on toast for that entire game. Ogbeni absolutely roasted him whenever he wanted to. And Everton will have two that are playing wide. That If one of them is Jack Harrison, he'll just go at him. And, mm. you know, he'll just go and go and go. And you have to be on your toes with something like him. The advantage is it's on Virgil's side. You know, Champs. but at the same time, it depends on what Everton set up and how Everton want to play. If Everton revert to how Sean Dyche normally plays, which is your four-five-one, and try to play on the break, we'll be fine. You know, Costas will be well protected in that because we'll dominate the ball and we'll manage the counters pretty okay, I think. But that switch across play over Trent's back will always be on. Matip, if he starts, will or Kanate will have to be on on their toes for that. Um, it, it, I don't have any issue or worries about him starting. I think he's a good, solid player on his day, capable of the odd rick. But in general, he's a backup left back for a reason. He's not a 
top level starting fullback, but he can do a job and he's got a heart and a half. He'll go and go and go. You know, so sometimes he's saying cost, cost us a score in the winner against the Ebb. I'll be right with that. I can I'll be right with that. that. Yeah. Very, it'll be a it'll be a really good post match show. Yeah, I don't care who's going to win. I hope Liverpool score the winner. I really don't care who's going to be honest. Let's do it. I was going to ask Dan actually, one second. No, I was just going to ask Dan because you're looking at it from the outside in and the table is still really tight at the top. And, you know, this. do you think this is the kind of fixture Everton, given the form that they're the run they're on, they could do something with this? Is Dyche actually starting to get a tune out of this side? Is he developing a way of playing that's effective? For the way for the way to keep them in the division and getting a point here is all important for them. I, I think this is. I think you just mentioned it there, where Sean Dyche has always been known for just playing the sort of football that would keep him in the Premier League. Um, but they're actually starting to do more than that and score goals. And you look at them and you think, "Cool, this could be a tough task." I hate Everton with all with all passion. Um, I, I mean. <laughs> Our record at Goodison Park speaks for itself. Thankfully, we've done and dusted and finally got a job done there this season. But I would be worried. You were worried. up there for that one, yeah? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you sorry? were up for that. Were, were you up for that one? No. Did you I wish travel I for that one? No, I wish I was. I, I've never I've never enjoyed Goodison. It's very far away from where I live. And I just uh, don't yeah. like the fixture. But thankfully, we got the job done this season. Yeah. Um, though I, I have very good friends that are Liverpool fans and... I would be, I if I were them, if I were you, I would be worried for Saturday. Um, I think they are in thriving form. I don't think they're going to get in any better form this season than what they're in right now. They're scoring goals, like they've scored, what, 10 or so in their last three games. Haven't seen that in Everton for a long, long time. Uh, I'd like to know when the last time that was, because, you know, they're usually the 1-0 here or there, 2-1 here or there. Um and I think Robertson would be a big blow. If Sean Dyche is the manager that a lot of people think he is, uh, then he will look at that and strike while the iron is hot and tell the players to go for that exact time, that out wide. Um, Jack Harrison, I believe, will be playing there. I don't can't think of another player that will play on the right wing for them. Um, I don't think Dwight McNeil is the sort of player to switch sides. So I imagine Harrison... Would be on the right, McNeil on the left. Decore and Garner is probably where you can bounce back and win battles because that is not a very strong midfield, in my opinion. Um, like they've always relied on very young players and very inexperienced players. Um, like even last season, you saw Wobi trans- transitioning into a new role, and yeah. he's no God's gift. So the fact that he can come and excel just speaks volumes on their squad. They rely on players to do more and deliver at levels that they should not be doing. Their defence is where I think why you win this game. Ashley Young, I'm a Stevenage man, as is he, and I've got much respect for him. But playing football still at the age of 38, I'd like to think the wingers that you've got are more than capable of cutting in and scoring a few goals. You know, you've got options there on the left. And Salah against Milienko as well, that seems like a no-brainer to me. I'd be surprised if he's not on the score sheet on... Saturday afternoon um, or Saturday morning, shall I say, for for some people. But I I think this would be three one. Um, if I'm going to give a score, I think they'll get one because they seem to be doing something right at the moment. 
and not many people know what to do about Beto. He's a player that no one really knows what to make of or how to control him. I don't think Beto also make a Beto sometimes, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think Beto. I think he's I, one I don't of those players that it's, he's got. Well, this is the question, but he's got the pace and the he's got the height as well, which is quite dangerous. Um, and your defense, you, look, you haven't conceded lo- conceded loads this season, but no, you are known to make mistakes. And without Reb- yeah, without Robertson, I think your players are going to be up to a should we say double the task what they usually are. Um, I think Virgil will have to obviously cover for Costas at some points in the game, and I think there there'll be a position in the middle for if it is Beto to to create and do something. But yeah, I think I think you should win this one, but. I don't think it will be plain sailing at all. No, uh, and Merseyside derbies never are, to be honest. Every time I've watched one, it's never really been uh, an easy victory for, well, not from the most that I've seen. But I think it will, yeah. Do you remember the 5-2 do you the five two kept where Klopp threw out of madness and just said, I'm going to play Shakiri and Origi and <laughs> six. And we all went, what's he doing? What is he playing? Yeah. Yeah. And we were 5-2, you're going, ah, that's... That was the good old days when they we used to win well, like one side. I'll ask you, Chris, actually, what what's your favorite memory from the derbies? Because oh. I've got I've got two or three that stick right out of my head. Well, then there, there is always the Arigi one. The Arigi That's a beaut. Is, the Gerard hat trick's always a beaut. Yeah. Uh, my my probably my favorite is still the Gary Mack goal. That's for me as well. If we're talking Anfield, then it's probably the Gerard Hattrick because actually it was, you know, quite clear. And also, Liverpool last year adding that and that season there weren't in great form, and it seems to it seems to galvanise us a little bit. So you know, I'm hoping it's going to sort of we can use this as, as a win to kick on again. Uh, Alex Shields asking is Curtis still banned? He's still banned. He's got another yeah, two games banned. to go. Jota so, is as well, isn't he? No, no, Jota's available. He's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's only a one-game ban for Jota. Who would be on the left for you then, Diaz? Because obviously Gakpo's only Diaz, just got yeah. fit, isn't he? Yeah, Diaz would be mm. on the left. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, him against Young. That's just shouldn't even be allowed. I think that is where you probably win. Well, I think I think Young will play on the left against Salah. And he'll play yeah, he'll so play uh, Patterson against. I, I, I don't know if that's a good decision if they do that. The only reason Young's got experience, but there's no way. Yeah. I think it's chalk and cheese because Milianko hasn't really got anywhere near the pace of Diaz either. So if they switch no. it, it could no, no, be... no, I think I think it'd be a Patterson right back, and I think it'll be Young left back. I don't think they'll call The thing Patterson is with start. with Ashley Young because he's right footed. He always he's always had this thing with Mo Salah where he's able to read when Salah wants to cut back in onto his left foot and position himself in a way with the centre back to block that space off. And he did it well for United at times. He's been roasted mm-hmm. at times as well a few mm-hmm. times. And he's like you said, he's not getting any younger. And to be honest, I honestly think Mo Salah's prepared to do a madness this weekend. Oh. I just think that I just think that Mo Salah this weekend of all weekends is going to do something this if, weekend. If anyone is getting booked this weekend, it's Ashley Young and Decore. <laughs> Mark my words. Oh, yeah. They would be yeah. two players that I would Callister. And yeah, probably yeah. He, he's a given. I've never known a man to get booked so much in his first season at a team. It's, it's the he hasn't learned the Fernandinho snide yet. He's no, got to he's... learn that. He hasn't learned to make a little clumsy. Whoever goes, oh, sorry, mate. You know, sorry about that. Uh, right, Kev, let's let's go through what we think the side will be. Then, so Allison will be in goal. I think that's a given. Yeah. 
Trent right back. Costas yep. left back. Yeah. Virgil left centre back. Yeah. Canarsie or Matip? Matip's had Matip. a two weeks off, so I'm, I'm assuming yeah. Matip will start. Matip, Matip for me. Yeah. Okay. Midfield, I'm assuming it's going to be Sobosly, McAllister, Gravenberch. I don't see Endo yeah. starting. I mean, I think he has had the most travel out of all of them. I think he had the latest return as well. I yeah. hope he'll see Endo start probably more after the derby. Yeah, maybe uh, the Toulouse game. Toulouse game, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, there's still no Thiago, Pajetic is, we don't know. We don't know, yeah. Even if he's fit, he's probably going to the bench. I don't think Elliot's going to start because I just don't think it, to be fair to him, he just didn't work at Brighton. But actually, no. he's been really good as an impact up for us. And Jones is out, so we're a bit, I think I think it's there, the three because there's no one else. Yeah. I think up front's where it's interesting. So I'll tell you my three and then you can tell me why yeah. I'm wrong, what you normally do. So sell <laughs> on the right. Diaz on the left, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that one through the middle. Yeah. Before I saw the um, inside Anfield today, mm-hmm. I was convinced that Jota, and I still probably, I know I actually still am. I still am convinced. I think Jota starts through the middle, Diaz on the left and Salah on the right. I think that Darwin and Diaz will play the 19 minutes between the two of them because of the amount of travelling they've done. But if he starts Darwin and has Jota and Cody as the options to come off the bench, I'm absolutely here for it. You know, I'm del- I'd am i be delighted with it. But I just think Jota only played um, 30, uh, 25 minutes for Portugal midweek. Uh, came off the bench on 65 minutes in a comfortable win for Portugal. Um Darwin had a goal and assist against Brazil. Uh, played the two games, ran his socks off. Ended up coming, ended up with cramp at the end of the game, and then flew back. I mean, he'll be on cloud nine if he plays. He's he's going to be on fire, you know. And because I think I wouldn't, I, think I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Because I think he starts Gakpo and Jota against Toulouse, and I think he'll start Salah against Toulouse as well, which will really upset everyone. Uh, but I think that's what he'll do because. I think the way it's looking for the Europa, just looking one game ahead, Liverpool beat Toulouse at home. If Lask and um, Union draw, Liverpool are done. Qualified, yeah. top, guaranteed top, and then they've got pretty much three games to do, do what they want, only needing a point, and they can rest lads for three games then. So I can yeah. see us doing that. So a few were saying, you know, McAllister was crap in the last 10th, in the last 12.30. He was, but he's had 24 hours longer to recover and he wasn't playing at ridiculous altitude in Bolivia. So yeah. theoretically he shouldn't be as as and, effective as he was. No, but the one thing I'd say about McAllister, McAllister had a ropey 45, 50 minutes, first 10 minutes in the second half as well against Brighton. Mm. But as the game came to him and it opened up a little bit, it um he he got better. When he can put his foot on the ball and pick passes and start to dictate play is really good. And I think at home against against Everton, against any Everton side, really, you've got to dominate the ball. And he'll be in a position where he can dictate the play. And he's not going to be chasing after lightning quick Brighton players, trying to break from him through midfield. It's a different animal that you're playing against in Everton. It's a different level of opponent. It's a different level of player you're playing against, a more physical. So I think he'll be absolutely I think he'll be absolutely fine in the six. Um Grab and Bertram looking forward to watching again. 
um, the more and more I see of him, the more I realize how wrong I was about him because I was looking at his stats for, for Bayern and thinking, how the hell is this kid who was brilliant at Ajax not playing 90 minutes for Bayern Munich side at all? And I was like, there must be something wrong. There must be something that all these Bayern coaches that came and went have seen that we're not seeing. And he's come in and he just looks like he loves football. He just loves playing. He's got, to me, the best parts of Paul Pogba, when they saw Paul Pogba at Juventus, and when you saw Paul Pogba in full flow at six foot plus, running through midfield, gliding through midfield with the ball, and players couldn't get near him. And if they did get near him, he'd jink past them. He Gravenberts has that. He has that ability. And he play, he's just playing with it. He's, like, he's so happy. And he just wants to play. And I I'm really can't wait to see him play. And we get to watch Damo again as well. You know, it, it's fantastic. Uh, I can't wait. You know, it's it's been a revelation. The fact that we've literally rebuilt a midfield uh, in one window. And we're still sat in fourth having one loss, and that loss has ribbons attached. Could you know? be the Simon end of the season, he, he could be. He's obviously, if he carries on he the way be. he's doing. I think if you finish top two, he's going to have a huge impact in it. Um, well, I'll ask you, because then you've got no skin in the game. You've watched enough of Liverpool now this season, and you've, you've obviously watched us in the past with the midfield that we had. If you're looking at it at this midfield, and you're looking at it from an Arsenal point of view, we're going to play Arsenal... What problems does this midfield and forward line give you as opposed to what we would have offered in the back? Because, look, we've, we've had the wood over Arsenal for a while, mm. you know. Um, but does, does this midfield give you different vibes? Is it a different threat? Is it more open? How do you I feel think, about it? I think, um, I mean, considering you've brought the three in and they all seem fairly comfortably, I think the only one is, is I'll go back to who I mentioned earlier, McAllister. He's doing something different to what he was used to at Brighton yeah. uh, and very different to what he's used to playing um, for Argentina. It is something that he's just need needs to get a grip off because I'm seeing him, I'm not going to call him clumsy, but I just think there's situations which he gets himself into, which is very unnecessary. And that is not due to him whatsoever. It's just to, due to the fact he's playing a role that he has no experience in doing. At Brighton, he wasn't that player. He wasn't the man that was being in those positions and making those tackles and showing the grit that he now needs to in the, in the midfield that he's in. Because he's got players like a Zobazlai and then you've got whoever else is next to him. He's always going to be that man that sits behind and helps out the defence. I think whereas at Brighton, he had other players around him which he could sort of rely on to, to do the job with him or do the job for him. Um, if you can get that right, then it's got huge potential. If he can sort of mould into this new position of his and the responsibilities that he's now got, I think that team can 100% win the league. Um, and it's it's scary to think that, you know, because we've seen in Chelsea that it doesn't always work out, you know. Sometimes sometimes you can the money doesn't always give you Rome sort of thing. It's one of those things where you throw money at someone and it's a massive gamble. Uh, but for me... Yeah, I I personally would I'd put I, I've said from the get I said from before when I saw how Zobasai went that it'd be City, Liverpool and then Arsenal. 
seeing Zobosly walk in the way he has confirms even more that I think you'll do well this season and you'll be back up there because he is just phenomenal. And his mm. his distribution is one of the most ridiculous things I've seen um, in a midfielder. I, I think you've needed that for a while as well because you brought in Tiago, you brought in Fabinho. I don't think they worked out anywhere near as what they should have done. And now you've got someone that has a lot more attributes to, to bring to the table. Um, he's a class act. And I think if he keeps going like this, it'll look like one of the best barings you've you've made for a very long time. Uh, you've got your front three pretty much nailed on now. Uh, like People are talking of Salah leaving, even if that happens. I don't think it's too much of an issue as to what people are saying. Uh, of course, he'll need replacing. But you've got players there that are that are fit and rare, ready, raring to go. You know, you've got depth there already as long as they can stay fit. The midfield now is just realistically what's left with a defender here or there to bring in. But it, it's looking good. I, th- I think he's brilliant. I, I'm a huge fan of him. And I, I saw some of the stuff he was doing for his, for his country a few weeks ago. And I was just mind blown by it. Very, very good money spent. Um, and so, for all, someone all, that age, yeah, for all, someone that all, age, all the well. talk about Liverpool owners, uh, and and you know, John Henry, and that was made sort of a long time ago, that can all go to bed now, sort of thing. And we can move, they can all move on and realize oh. you've you, you've done well with with the money you've, yeah. And you've got to think it doesn't, it's not just Zubsly either, you've got to look at the front three that you've now got, uh, in, in Lewis Diaz, that was incredible business. Um, I think he's. I think the last time we were on this, when we did a preview for the Arsenal game, I said this. He is an incredible act, and I think there's still more to come from him as well. Um, but yeah, threatening. Um, I'm not looking forward to Arsenal Liverpool again. Just put it that way. Good. That's a nice way to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice way to be. No, no, no. Look, um, what's going on? I Kevin? think we're. I think no. I think we're in a really good spot. Genuinely, I think we're we're playing pretty well. We know we've got issues, but we know that the He's more there. this side plays together, the more mm. this side plays together, it's mm. still in the learning phase. We're still in the baby steps. Of, I think. Of this. I think most. I think most sides of sleep. We could probably pick holes in and say they've all got yeah. an issue of some description. I think everyone does this season. Yeah, mm. everyone. And so, City's issue in the last two games has been, well, what do you do when you haven't got Rodri? But to be mm, fair, yeah. you don't have that issue very often because, to be fair to him, he's never injured. Well, you know, this is a suspension. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, everyone's everyone's going to have that decision to make, like you say. Like City will have Kevin De Bruyne, uh, you'll have Salah. Everyone's going to have that sort of. Oh, hmm. he's gone. Uh, United will have Casemiro. We could go on for hours of teams that probably not a bad play. thing at the moment with the way he's playing. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, that's well, probably not yeah. a bad thing. I was going to ask but, you, look, what what would you you know? Pick a score then. We've we've gone through the lineups. Give us a score and the goal scorers for it. Uh it should go for our standard Liverpool 3 1 because that seems to be our most popular score this year. Uh and I'll say Salah, Nunez, and Domo will get R three. And for for them, I don't know, probably tell in the corner. Yeah. Do you know what? I was looking at the highlights from last season and that goal that we scored on the counter came from Ah, oh, it's uh, brilliant. Uh, Tarkowski header off the post, but that counter attack is my is my favourite goal without a doubt of how Liverpool play. Six players on the counter, take your that, pick, and Salah buries it. It was a great goal. That goal but, reminds me of old school like FIFA ninety eight, where during your pre- select the keeper by mistake and he runs out. 
That's literally what Pickford did. He, he, he just got, he's got, I don't know what he saw, but he was going. It's, like, it's literally like when you press the wrong button on your control yeah. button, you go, oh, what's he? Oh, no. Oh, it's, well, it Tom Boland has gone for... Tom Boland has gone for 4-1 Salah Hattrick and Darwin. Megan has gone for 2-0 Salah and Jota. Um, everyone else is... Glenn Parsons has gone getting... 10-0 and Everton 0 was offside. 4-0 top is like Jota, Salah, Nunes from Archie. Yeah, look, I, I just think, look, I think it'll be 2-1. I think this will be tight. Um, I think... We'll win. I think it'll be one of those comfortable games, but I wouldn't be surprised if we had to do it the hard way. Um, even my 3 1, it'll be if we do win 3 1, it'll be 2 1 for ages, and it'll yeah, be like a late, a late, late goal. A we, late go, one, yeah. we go, oh, thank god, it, it, it feels like one of those, yeah, it feels like one of those sort of games, but yeah, but the late goal will be like, oh, the bums, the bums would be tight if but, it's like that, oh, but it feels like be... one of those all, seasons. All derbies are like that, those, yeah. yeah, out of all of the games that I've watched this season. This, that's the kind of season it's starting to feel like it's going to be. Mm. It's going to be like you're going to have to really work for it, and when you get ahead, you might need the second one to be sure. You know, that's the we, kind of season we, we've it's had it. We've had it like. twice. We we had it against United where Rice scored in the ninety seventh minute or whatever it was, and then against City it came in the eighty seventh. So, just seems yeah. like a season for the um, yeah for the oh, way. Sorry, there'll be, and there'll be a red card as well because. That's just the standard Liverpool thing now. We have a red card. Like, <laughs> we've gone from a side that had no cards to a side that gets a red card every other week. Well, I think for the last, up until this season, for the last three years, we've had three red cards in total over three years. We've had four this season alone so far. It's ridiculous. Well, just looking at the rest of the fixtures, uh, I think 2 1. Uh, you've gone 3 1. I think we'll Do win we it. I think it'll, uh, Salah Brace. I think Salah's definitely going to light up this game. I think he's going to be on cloud nine this week. I just think there's something about him this week. He just looked, even when I was watching the videos today, he just looked determined. You know, just he, seen one of the questions that someone's asked. <laughs> is, this the, is this the best hammer side you've seen, Dan? <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Right. Let's quickly go through some of the other fixtures. Okay. Um, Look, the standout one of the three o'clock games, Manchester City against Brighton. Um, Man City at home, Rodri's back. Um, that they have to get back on the bike, don't they? Um, then you 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 guys have picked up three points against them. But to me, that was the most disjointed Manchester City side I've watched in a long time. Mm, they couldn't get the they couldn't get the ball to Haaland. They were they pet went into proper pet mode where he just like, this is my football, this is my way, this is bloody... And it's, he just, I refuse to change. He refuses to adapt. And Brighton are one of those sides that are capable of causing anyone nightmares. How do you see this one, mate? Um, I think it could be a wake-up call for De Zerbe, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, I think they need to win now, City. Under pressure, they've lost... You know, they lost in the cup against Wolves. They've lost to us now. They need a bounce back. Um, Harlan, I, I just look at City and I sometimes feel like if Haaland's not scoring or getting getting control of the ball or not, not getting the chances, they really run out of ideas and just don't know what they're doing. And it's quite disappointing to see if I take my Arsenal hat off um, because Pep's, you know, the manager that he is. And 
I'd like to think that he has more in his locker to know that he's got other players and other resources, other tools there to get a win. Alvarez is sensational. I honestly think he's brilliant. They've got Foden, they've got Grealish, you know, they've got all these players there. But why, when Haaland is not scoring, do the wheels fall off? It should not be like that. Um, It's good for us, don't get me wrong. But I'd be very worried if I was a City fan watching the last few games and just thinking, okay, Haaland's not scoring, so we're not bloody winning then. And that's how it seems at the moment, where it's not the case. Uh, But this weekend, I think he will. Uh, I think that all ends. I think Haaland back to, you know, silencing the crap. I've seen silly, 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 silly comments over him in this international break. And this is one reason why I'm glad international break is over because people get on Twitter and they start making ridiculous debates and ridiculous comments. Um, And people say, oh, if Haaland's not scoring, he's not a good player, he doesn't do anything else. He's already proven last season that it's not just about goals and that he can do other stuff. Um, and he's people forget he's still only 22, 23 years of age. You know, he's eight years younger than me, for God's sake. Um, and and I, I think I think it, I think this would be three, four, one. I think Deserby's going to bit of a get a bit of a reality and wake up call as to to where Brighton stand. I think Brighton are a good team, um, but yeah, I think he might get a bit of a reality check with this one. And they are going to. I feel like they need it because they're doing well. But they've got Europe to think about. They haven't got the strongest of depths whatsoever. Even their first 11, you know, if you look at it realistically, it's not something that would usually, if you didn't have a manager like Roberto De Zerbi in, um at the helm, you wouldn't look at it and think, oh, they're going to do well. They're going to be in the top six, top eight, even. Danny Welbeck still gets minutes for them. Speaks volumes that. So I think this will be the wake-up call they need. Um, I think 3-1 to Manchester City, Haaland back okay. at it, definitely. Chris? 4-1 City. Uh, Brighton don't really win at the Etihad. I think all their best yeah. results against City have been at their own home ground. And I think you've seen this year with, with Brighton, especially they've got some mad losses in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I also think, whereas I think Brighton are a bit like our kryptonite, Kev, where we just, there's a bit of a yeah. side for us. I actually feel they're one of those sides that City prefer to play and do quite well against. The, you know, whereas City like don't like Wolves. You know, Wolves seem to sometimes always have a bit of a hoodoo over City. So Palace and Rod- the same. Yeah, and Rodri and Rodri's back. So yeah, four one. It's probably why it's the other thing. The other fixture I want to pick out is Newcastle and Palace. And Chris, I'll come to you. Um, Look, the news this all this week has been what's been coming out of Italy with the betting scandal, and it's a huge betting scandal that's um, seen a Juventus player Fagioli suspended for seven months for his involvement. And Newcastle are playing at home to Crystal Palace. It looks like, unless anything breaks between now and then, Tonali will play. He'll carry on playing until he's told he, he can't. What do you think should happen? And bear in mind the wider context of this, the amount of money that football is reaping from betting companies. Mm. And we're naive to believe, in my opinion, that footballers aren't betting, that footballers don't have apps on their phones, that they're secretly... they've, They've done it from time immemorial. You know, from right the way back, they... Players would bet, but in this day and age, it's so easy to do it secretly, anonymously, 
that is this a, a problem in football? Yeah, probably is. Um, I think probably in the coming years, betting betting on football shows would be like when cigarettes got banned on being advertised. You know, when you said Benson Hedges everywhere, like a, the Snoop, yeah, uh, the Snoop, and things like that. You can't advertise it anyway. You can't advertise like that anyway. I can see that basically come with, with um, uh, betting things. I think it'll be like you can't have on kids' shirts and stuff like that. There is a, an issue. Listen, there is a you know a human side of it, which is you know play, you know gambling can, can be an addiction, and you know you know some footballers that it, that is a problem. You know, so they do need to support in that way. But if you're doing bets on your own team. That's basically called like insider trading, because you can yeah. you can influence that result. Now, listen, you could be betting yourself to win. That's what you'd like to think, but and so, but yeah, I think if it's I think if you're betting, you it's a bit like FFP for me. It's like whether you agree with it, you don't agree with it. You know the rules before you start the game, so if you get caught, you, you take your punishment for it. I, I think if you're betting on your on your own team, especially a game that you're involved in. I can see the bands being bigger because you can generally argue you well you do have an influence on the game. Whereas if Tonali was betting on Liverpool Man City, which again he shouldn't be doing, but he can't influence Liverpool Man City because he's not he's not involved. He's you know so there isn't a, there isn't a, there's less of an issue that way. But the rumor is that he has is he one of the players that's been accused of betting on his own on yeah. his own team? He was, he's, been, he's been he's been accused of being. If not the ringleader, he's been accused, has been reported that he's one of the organisers of this ring. And he's also accused of betting on AC Milan with um, games that he's been involved in. And the talk is that the ban, he could be facing anything up to three years. Uh, mm. Then how do you think Newcastle should handle this? How do you think Newcastle will handle this? And what in in you know in a couple of minutes, what can football do to help evolve this away from? Because I'll be honest, I I can see a situation where betting advertising is removed from from TV. Full stop. Well, in the it, same way, as smoking bans work. The smoking. I, I think work. you touched on it earlier in terms of the sponsorships. It will be very interesting to see what sponsorships are are renewed and what are not next season. Um, because if if you look across the the Premier League and not just the Premier League Championship betting is widely used betting companies are widely used as sponsorships I remember Stoke and Betway like it was yesterday I don't even know if they still are um, but they were used for a long amount of time and you could bet your arm and leg when you're watching a football game as soon as there's an ad break at half time there'll be some sort of betting in, you know going on and now we're seeing this things are going to need to change because they're going to need to set precedents in a statement. They can't be punishing players like this and then allowing advertisements like that during their game time, during their match day shows. It just doesn't work. Uh, but what I will say is people can't be treating these two like the same because Tony, it took months for him to get a punishment. Yeah. If you remember when it was first announced that he was involved in betting, he was playing football for a considerable amount of time until he eventually was given a ban. And he even denied it on his own social media account afterwards. So people were expecting Tonali to just be put in handcuffs tomorrow. It's never going to happen like that. 
Um, it's a bit similar to the FFP with Man City and stuff like that. Rome wasn't built in a day and, you know, they can't solve things like this tomorrow. It's not going to happen. Tonali will be punished. And I imagine it will be just as equally as uh, as Tony because, like I say again, football is all about setting a statement and they're going to need to with this one because otherwise it opens a can of worms and they need to make sure that players don't continue to do this. Now there's been two. I think the differences with Tonali as well, this was prior to him joining the Premier League. So it's been dealt with by the Italian, um, yeah. which may, I'm not. it shouldn't make it different. But it, it could. It won't. It, It'll it be. Won't. It won't. But it 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 will be dealt with outside of outside of Newcastle's hands. Um, and outside I hope, of Premier and League influence. Outside as well. of the Premier League's influence. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Um, the the one thing that I'd say is when the Italians decide that X Y Z is the punishment, mm. it'll be worldwide in the exact yeah. same way as it was for the Spurs' way, yeah. technical director. That I just, was. I, uh, that was punished just, in that way. Just, I just, just hope that they they don't have um because of the obviously Newcastle are in a tough spot because Tonali is obviously a, just like uh, Brent just like Tony was for Brentford he's a very influential yeah. player and big part of the team and due to their FFP problems at the moment they're not going to be able to replace him so it'll be interesting to see what goes on in January um because with Champions League and a Premier League top four fight which I imagine is what they're going for this season at risk how you lose a player like that. Is devastating. Well, it's devastating. It's the equivalent of losing someone very huge. Yeah, a few people have made the comment in the chat that uh, Newcastle will look to loan uh, Ruben Nevis from no. the Saudi League. Yeah, that was which something is, like that would never be allowed. I can't see any reason why it wouldn't be. Uh, yeah. They'll look to bring him in in January think, on loan. I think they just need, they're going to be on thin ice as it is. I just think they need to be careful with what they do. Yeah, I don't think uh, they give a shit, to be honest. Yeah, that's I mean, the problem. Just, yeah. just, just talk about the gambling uh, on Premier yeah. Shirts. I found an, an article that's in ESPN from April. It says, Premier League clubs agreed to drop gambling sponsors from the front of their shirts. The Premier League and its 20 collective clubs have announced on the Thursday that they'll no longer have gambling sponsorships on the front of their shirts by the end of the 25-26 season. So it's a ticking time bomb for sponsors anyway to yeah. this off. Tarek has also made the point that we can't forget uh, Zaniolo, who's at Aston Villa, who's also involved mm. in this. Uh, not exactly small fry players when it comes to the Italian national side either. No, you know, no, so I hope no, Arsenal don't go signing from Serie A next season. No, <laughs> Seems I, to be a common. I personally, from a Newcastle perspective, I don't think I don't think they do it to Tony because I don't think legally they can. They can't say. Oh, you've done this, so we're not going to pick you, or we can terminate until he's proven yeah. innocent. Or guilty. I don't get what I don't get Co- what people are expecting. New, to Newcastle happen. can't do anything because if if Newcastle sacked him, said they sacked him, but they fined him, they said yeah. he'll, he he can right right say, well, until I'm proven guilty, it's wrong for dismissal. It's I don't want to open. I don't want to open that box, but we've seen a lot of things happen in football where yes, players are still playing mean, and and players are still being paid. Things worse it's than a, gambling. Uh, so if that yeah. can go on, gambling, there is no way you're going to get dropped from the a, team or put on the from bench. any from any company, no matter what it is. Until yeah. you're proven guilty of a crime yeah. or breaking the rules, can't really you can't really do anything. So yeah, it's the same. Look, it's the same at any of us in the world. Uh, Newcastle are easy target. We understand why they are, but for this, mm. until until it's proven that he's done it, and listen, it seems likely he's going to get in trouble for it. Then Newcastle have a case then of. Or do you terminate his contract, or do you know? It's, 
which could be a way around FFP as well, which is like, we'll terminate this contract that is breach of contract, you know, or do we keep all of them and try and support it through whatever government initiative has got? I think, got, I think, go with that. I think a lot out. of this is good. I think a lot of this is going to play out depending on the length of any potential yeah. ban. And the thing is, Newcastle can't afford to write off 50 million plus. If it, if it's so under a year, they'll, they'll just have to wear it. To be honest, there's nothing Newcastle can do. I mean, all this talk of Newcastle are going to sue Milan and whatever that would make the assumption that Milan knew. Milan will turn around and say, "We had absolutely no idea." Was we let him go in good faith, and that's the end of the conversation, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Newcastle are just going to have to suck it up and wear it. To be honest, couldn't have. I think. I think the only way he he'll get removed from Newcastle is if his bans over a year, because mm-hmm. otherwise, if it's two three years. It's pretty much yeah, contract. Different kettle that's of fish. All, that's a different kettle of fish. So I think I think it's one of those that's uh, keep an eye on, on more. Mm. So oh yeah, hundred percent. Discuss it as it unfolds. Right, do you want to do your new game, Kev? Yeah. That you've well, I want I want people in the chat as well to get involved, and it's basically I want to get every guest that we have on is almost always going to be from an, from another club. When it's just going to when it's just the three of us who are. Liverpool fans, we'll do it between ourselves. But it's basically, we've all seen it before. It's start, sub, sell. All right? And we're going to do it with Arsenal. And I've picked three players. And look, it would be the easiest thing in the world to say Thierry Henry. But look, let's be honest. Nobody is not starting Thierry Henry. All right? So what I've done, oh. I've gone for three three players who were... I don't reckon Gavin started. No, he wouldn't. But Gavin knows <laughs> nothing about football. Um... <laughs> I went for three players who were equally important in their own right to Arsenal in the period. And I want people in the chat to get involved as well and just tell me who, who you think. I went for Ian Rice, Patrick Vieira, and Tony Adams. And then I'll come to you last, then, because Ooh. you can have your say on the three. Chris, start. Uh, so oh, right. You give, you give me that sort of notice, are you? Okay. Yeah. It's start Ian Wright just because I really, I just love Ian Wright. I loved him as a footballer. I, he was a player I wish played for Liverpool, and I just like Ian Wright in general as a as a person. I always find him a great a great watch and a great interview. So um, bias, but I go I go for Ian Wright. Sub is probably Vieira because he's the type of midfield that I like, and Tony Adams is kind of sold by default because. I think it's got what who, who, who I Selling liked the more. Selling, Selling the captain, the wall, yeah. the leader of the back four, the famous back four that were almost impenetrable. Oh, he yeah. was the wasn't, leader of that back four. Wasn't Vieira captain of the uh, the Invincibles? But Tony Adams <laughs> was the guy. I know. It's great. Foundation. This, you can, you can was... make an argument for all three of them, but uh, yeah, they're my three. Go on then, Tomato. What's your three? <laughs> I start Vieira. I think okay. Patrick Vieira is an absolutely ridiculous footballer. Could do everything. Um, World Cup winner. Um, sublime on the ball. Uh, rock hard. You know, Jeremy, big Jeremy, unit in the middle of the park. Jeremy's goal at Anfield in, in the 2-1 win. You know, Mello scores the dink, the yeah. dink over the keeper. He had that grace yeah. about him as a finisher. You know, big, powerful, you know, brilliant footballer. But yeah, when he did finish, it was some absolutely glorious little dinks and grace yeah. in this game. Yeah. I would 
heavy in writers myself as well. And I would sell So you're also the captain as well. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. On the gave me captain. <laughs> no, the, re the reason is, I think Ian Wright, look, up until Thierry Henry, Ian Rice was a player I, I admired at Palace. And Ian Wright was just unfortunate that he was in playing in the Premier League when in, there was a girth of talent of English strikers with Alan Shearer, Teddy Sheringham, Robbie Fowler, Michael Owen, Ian Wright. You know, there was a lot of English centre-forward strikers in that era. Barely got and game. Ian Wright was, he was very good. He was very, very good. He scored all kinds of goals. He was that fox in the box. He had the nastiness about him. And he had the intelligence. He was such an intelligent striker that he knew where to be and when to be there. And his game evolved under Wenger. Mm. Again, Tony Adams, absolutely brilliant centre half. But I think the partnership, the back four partnership, is what made Arsenal so good. Winterburn, Bold, Adams, and Dixon. Yeah, that four with David Seaman behind them. That quintet really was the rock that everything was built on. But I honestly think you could have picked a, a good centre half from another club to put into that back five, and it would have worked. Whereas, I think Patrick Vieira was just an awesome midfielder, and Ian Wright was just a sensational striker. And then, come to you, what, where, what would you go? Cool. Go on, sorry. I was going to keep imagine Ian Wright playing now. How, how much would he be worth? I asked then, then uh, before you get to say, how much would Ian Wright be worth in today's market? Ooh. I Damn mean... Guarantee 30 goals. He's 23 year old yeah. Ian Wright comes up on the market. Oshiman uh, type. Uh, we're hearing, uh, let's put it this way we're hearing that Ivan Tony, who's not even playing football at the moment, is apparently worth 60 million. So I'm putting at least a 100 million bracket on Ian Wright in this day and age if he were in mm. the Premier League. Um, yeah, you've got to pay for it, especially the English tax, <laughs> and you've got to pay <laughs> for goals at the moment. And he would but, certainly bring goals to any team in this in this league. In, he has all the attributes which suits modern football as well, still, yep. which is pace. Because mm. these days now, the best the best attackers have pace, and he had it to burn. But he knew how to use it, and yep. he was dead. He was deadly finisher, you know. Yeah. So he'd have been brilliant. He'd have been brilliant today. Oh. He was brilliant. He was brilliant anyway. To be fair, but. Then, in three minutes or less, tell us your three and why. Okay, easy. Uh, yeah, completely back in Kev's three, to be honest. Starting, I think there's no debate in starting Vieira. Um, I think he's irreplaceable in terms of Arsenal players. We've looked and been thriving for a midfield of his talent for a long, long time. Uh, and I still don't think we're there yet. I, I think Party and Rice have got a lot to live up to in terms of that, like... You just you can't put anyone in Vieira's conversations realistically, but we've looked for a midfielder of his talent for for ages now, where we've got someone that has a bit of grit, uh, that can score goals, that can just sit behind and manage the defense as well as the midfield. He was phenomenal, um, and you know when you when you see Premier League World Elevens or whatever people do, he's always in conversations there, which certain others will never be in. Um and yeah, I just think he's he's brilliant. He's he's one player out of very few in Arsenal's history that I would look at and think there's not anyone else I'd rather in that position. 
whereas you can potentially look left or right sometimes and just think, okay, you know, him and Ashley Cole are probably two where I look and I think there's no better left back realistically. There's no better central defensive midfielder. Uh, on the bench, Vieira, I'd like to think would have a bit of grip, keep the, you know, keep a nice clean sheet for Ian Wright to come on off the bench, bit of pace, score goals. That's what he's like, prolific. And then, yeah, sadly, Tony Adams uh, gets the drop, uh, doesn't yeah. get the nod. It's oh, a difficult one, I think, because I, all, I think three, it, I, I, all three, all three offered look, something to Arsenal, didn't they? I would be quite surprised if I gave this to all the Arsenal fans that I know, and I know a lot of them. I'd be quite surprised if anyone had Tony Adams in the starting or the bench, just purely because of how amazing Vieira was, and because of the legacy that uh, that Ian Wright holds. And like um, like Kev said just then, he played at a time where there was quite a few hungry, quite a few successful prim- uh, English, in particular English but Premier League strikers, and he was still in conversations and being spoke about and still to this day is. So that speaks volumes for how good he was. Uh, We're crying out for it. Jesus is, don't get me wrong, great player, but if you could give me an Ian Wright in this generation right now, I think a lot of people would take him with open arms. He's the type of player we need, actually. uh, Actually, uh, Quickly touch on that because Arsenal are linked with um, two strikers at the minute that I can that I spotted. Uh, just before we wrap up, Victor Osherman uh, is one, and Ivan Tony, obvious the obvious other link. Is there anyone else out there that you think it, Arsenal should be looking at in general? Can Arsenal do anything in this January given the FFP stretch that Arsenal are in at the minute? Uh... Off off the top of that, I, I hope we don't sign Tony. Um, I think we've got some good blood in the dressing room now and we've had bad blood in it in the past. And with what's gone on with Ivan Tony and with the personality that he has history of, you know, being known to yeah. bring into a dressing room, we've seen the banter he can have and the interviews he's had. I would just rather not bring that sort of stuff into... Um, into the team right now, personally, not for 60 million with a player that's been out of action for six or seven months, yeah. let's say, by the time we do it. Um, and also, it is, uh, 60 mil for a second for a second string player is just because he's not going to start over Jesus. That's not going to happen. Well, um, Victor Victor won't be. Victor Osherman, I would take. I would take with open arms. I think he needs. Yeah. I think he needs. A, it's time for him to join the Premier League, and I think Arsenal is a good club to do it. Um, Could Arsenal afford it? That's the question. I don't know where we'd make... This is where the Ramsdale conversation comes back because we'd need to make money somewhere. isn't it? Yeah, we'd need to make some money somewhere. If we're going to bring anyone in at all, we need to make money. And someone of his level is easily 50, 60 million at least. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, the rest. Plus, <laughs> Pat. <laughs> yeah. Ashley L makes a point. Uh, Ollie Watkins. Another um, interesting I, one, I, 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 Funny enough, I was actually just thinking about him when he said, is there anyone else? But um, Emery's not an idiot. There's no way he sells him. No way. No. You do not sell right. someone that is in the peak of their career like Ollie Watkins no. is at the moment. Not with the way Villa are looking to try to push on. You know, I think yeah. that's... that. I think, though, I'll be honest, I think those are the type of deals that happen in the summer anyway. I, I'd be I amazed. So. Mm. And for the, the, for the record, Adams is... Great defender, but yeah. I think what you said was spot on. I think if you put another defender in that in that line, the the players he was with next to, 
yeah. I think it, I'm not. Yeah, they'd, they'd probably be just as successful. Yeah, well, it, I think it was. I think it's an interesting conversation. I, I kind of, mm. I love that kind of um, with with those, especially with those three players, because those three players definitely offered different things to Arsenal that were equally as important as each, as each other. But look, it's just an interesting conversation. But look, then thanks very much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Uh, Chris, anything else? Still recovering from the derby? Don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. I'm still not. I'm still peeing. Um, I was with. I was sat with some of the Alpha Rap people there, and I'll be honest. Some of them, fair play, who could see big picture. And look, I can see big picture and the positives of you know having games at Anfield. You have more games at Anfield. But I'm going to be honest. I'm sick of losing home derbies. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. raging. You know, it was painful. It was. It was, it was. Yeah, it's felt one of those games thinking, like, we're just not going to score, are we? Payback, pay payback, payback on Saturday. Um, I hope so. I hope so. Hope so too. Listen, thanks to everyone in the chat for all your contributions. It's been brilliant as usual. Uh, on that note, we're going to head off, get a good night's sleep, and Klopp's press conference tomorrow, game Saturday. Thanks very much for everyone. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Good night. Sports Social Podcast Network.